But now it's time for another story from this year's RTE Short Story Competition shortlist in honour of Francis McManus, as judged by writers uh, Lisa McInerney, Ailish Nigivna and Ferdia McKenna. Evocative, tender, deft and intimately observed, this is a cleverly crafted story about grief and memory in the words of the judges. The Coast of Africa by Julie Cruikshank is read for us now by Peter Hanley. Late morning, the motorway to the west is empty. The boy sits in the front, his spine at an awkward curve, runners on the dashboard. A stretch of flat road disappears into pale sky. He types the name of the lake into the satnav, a lake with a beach. It is on the Galway-Mayo border, about an hour north of where his mother came from. He zooms in on a spindly network of roads and follows a thin white line with his fingertip until the screen becomes a grey mist. After the junction for Galway, his father puts on his music, raw guitar and frantic drums, music from before the boy was born. Your mother would kill me for smoking in front of you. His father blows the smoke out the window with a screwed-up mouth and turns up the volume. The B&B is a peach-coloured bungalow set into a rocky mountain. The landlady's toes collapse on top of each other over the lip of her sandals. They follow her down a carpeted corridor and the boy tries to ignore the sound of her thighs rubbing against her trouser legs. She has two sons in England. She nods towards the boy. Cracked about football. Three times a day now there are flights into Knock, but they work very hard. The door swings open. Two single beds with a formica locker in between. On the wall, the remains of patches of dried blue tack. Good complaint, she says, to be that busy. She is at their heels all the way back to the car. What brings you here? My wife told me about the inland beach. His father smiles in that stiff way, the same as when the neighbours make a fuss bringing round apple tarts that don't get eaten. She used to swim here when she was young. The boy watches the landlady's gaze move around the car. The wet suits on the back seat, the mess of sandwiches and tinfoil, the cigarette butts, the dust on the dashboard. He waits for her face to change. That faint, familiar drop. The lake is oblong-shaped, the surrounding mountains stacked like shoulders. At the narrow end, a rough track leads down to a small beach. The sand is coarse and cool under his feet. Jumper, t-shirt, shorts fall behind him as he runs, his squealing shrill and childish even to his own ears. Cold enough for you? His father stands at the shoreline. The boy runs in and out, screams louder, higher. It gives him a warm flutter in his stomach to hear his father laugh. At breakfast the following morning, the landlady lectures them about the lake. It's deceptive, not as calm as it looks. His father barely looks up. He reads all the time now, slowly working his way through the books in the downstairs bedroom. A few months before she died, on one of the days when she couldn't sit still, the boy's mother had arranged them, grouped the spines into blocks of colour. She had seen it in a magazine. Feng Shui. Positive vibes. After she had gone to lie down, the boy had walked his fingers along each colour, shelf by shelf. He listened to her moving around upstairs, the flush of the toilet, a gentle creak on the landing. 
Now she exists in the spaces between falling asleep and waking up. Late at night when he wakes for no reason, or very early in the morning when thin light bleeds around the edges of the window blind. Fragments of her. Hair tickling his face when she bent down to kiss him goodnight. How her clothes sometimes smelled of cigarettes. She loved knock-knock jokes. Soft hands. Sometimes he squeezes his legs to his chest, afraid of forgetting. The landlady pours orange juice into an egg cup-sized glass. Are you for confirmation this year? The boy shakes his head, his mouth full of egg and toast. A yellow dribble runs down his chin. She grabs a dishcloth. Cracked dry fingers graze his skin. She doesn't ask if he minds. Down here, children are not asked. Things are different down home, his mother used to say. She was always a little cranky and distracted after the holidays. It's hard to explain. It's a sense of belonging. At her wake, he and his cousins had chased each other in the back door of his grandmother's house, down the hall and around the coffin. Old man he didn't know ruffled his hair and stuffed five and ten euro notes into his jacket pocket. His father stood at the end of the garden, lighting one cigarette off another, then back to his position at the head of the coffin. She was buried in the local churchyard. He overheard the end of a conversation on the way to the pub. With her own people. Six months later, his father paid for a local man to carve her name on a piece of granite. On the way back to Dublin, they stopped at the graveyard. The boy had copied a poem from one of her books. Afterwards, he ran his finger along the grooves made by the two dates, until his father asked him to please stop. After breakfast, the landlady hands them a bag, just a few sandwiches, and a treat. She winks at the boy. Inside, a packet of neatly folded greaseproof paper, two bags of crisps and a bar of chocolate. This time they swim together to where the lake floor dips sharply away into darkness. The water is dense with green and brown plants that brush against his stomach, entangle his arms mid-stroke. His father looks back at the beach, struggles for breath, no further out than here. The boy watches him swim back. His head is all wrong, his arms awkward, no rhythm. The boy knows his father does not enjoy swimming or food shopping or talking to the teachers or arranging playdates. Pretending. Doing things you don't particularly like so other people feel better. Part of becoming a grown-up, his mother might say. The swimming had been the father's idea, something to give them routine, get them up and out in the morning. The boy had promise, everyone said. His mother loved the water, and it was she who had taught him to swim, her hand on his belly, laughing, while his father thrashed up and down the pool. Just look at him, all that fuss for nothing. She taught the boy to glide just underneath the surface, head down, to rotate his body to one side, not to be afraid of going under. For all her talk, she was a quiet, graceful swimmer. The boy loved to watch her swim lanes the water splitting evenly in front of her, trailing her like liquid glass. For the past two years, three mornings a week, his father's voice had woken him at half five. Usually parents stayed in the viewing gallery, but his father always stood at the side of the pool, 
watching. There was talk of teams, regional finals, trophies. The boy usually lingered until the ropes were pulled and the water became still. Then he went under. The pool had a glass ceiling, and on sunny mornings the light made the blue and green mosaic tiles swirl. He kept himself submerged for as long as he could, arms wrapped around his knees, everything in suspension. After the swim, they eat their sandwiches and lie on the rug. The boy puts his head on his father's stomach. If his mother was here, she would be full of chat. She was a teacher and she knew something about everything. Poems off by heart, song lyrics, why things were named the way they were. She would definitely know the names of the mountains, some myth about how they were formed. She would have noticed how they cast huge shadows on the lake, how creepy it felt. She might use a word like eerie. They had watched a documentary together about how in ancient times huge chunks of the earth had split apart and floated far away from each other. Afterwards, she had taken out his school atlas and ran her finger along the coasts of Africa and South America. The shapes still there, raw, after all that time. When his father smooths his forehead, the boy doesn't pull away. Sometimes he wonders where she would fit if she did come back. On the last evening, the landlady offers to do a wash. I know well what it's like with boys. The boy does not want to give her his underwear, but his father laughs and pulls the boxer shorts from his hand. A few hours later, the clothes are left on his bed, ironed, and a pile of old football magazines sit on the locker. I don't even like football. He flings the bundle into his rucksack, kicks it under the bed. The following morning, he is at the car before his father has finished breakfast. He hears the creep of rubber soles on gravel and the landlady rounds the corner of the house, drying her hands on a dishcloth. One last swim, she rubs at a spot on the side mirror. The boy pounds the stones with the heel of his sneaker, runs his toe around the tyre. You will ruin your shoes. Her feet make him nauseous, the toes trapped underneath each other, the blackened nails, a large bump underneath each big toe. His mother had shown him her own feet once, told him the word for those bumps. See there? She ran her finger around the slight curve. I'll get them, for sure. You too. Runs in our family. Bunions. Such an ugly word. The landlady again. I hear you win competitions? He pulls at the handle of the car, wishes his father would hurry up. It's great for boys to have a sport. You should keep it up. I suppose... A kick to the tyre. When she pulls him to her, he inhales fabric softener and cigarettes. Other smells too, things he cannot name. He shoves her back, cries out. But not before his body has given way momentarily. Softened into the watery belly, sensed the frailty of her bones. She ignores his protest, lowers her head, fingers digging into his arm, her breath moist on his cheek. Something cracks in her throat. You're a great boy. You were robbed. The wind is stronger today, the water choppy. His mother used to say that things can find you if you are open to them. People have found wedding rings on beaches. Miracles do happen. 
That kind of talk drove his father mad, especially near the end. Healers, herbs, positive thinking. The whispered fights drifting up the stairs, his father crying to someone on the phone. It makes it worse. When he surfaces the second time, he sees his father on the beach, gesturing for him to come in. A heaviness comes on him, drains the feeling from his hands and feet. He treads water, looks around. Sharp diagonal shadows slice the mountains in two. A shaft of sun illuminates the area directly below him where the growth is sparse. He plunges down right to the lake floor, puts his two hands flat onto the glittering sand. Seconds pass, maybe a full minute, but nothing comes, no sign, no glimmer works its way through the dense vegetation. There is only his own arms and legs curled tight against his chest, the immense weight of the water above him. He imagines his father's desperate charge towards him, his terror, the slap of his hands on the water, all that fuss. His legs kick down, unmerciful, his arms reach up. Around him giant stalks quiver, silk fronds caress the soles of his feet. On the shore, hunched like old men, the mountains wait. That was Peter Hanley reading The Coast of Africa by Julie Cruikshank from this year's RTE short story competition shortlist. On sound was Liam Mullen, the broadcast coordinator is Elaine Conlon and the series producer is Sarah Binchy. And the series continues at the same time uh, here on Late Date tomorrow night with The Big House of Nora Toad by Rachel Hines. And to read all the stories and listen back to past broadcasts, you can go to the website, which is rte.ie forward slash culture. And don't forget, there'll be an in-person awards night for the first time in a few years at the end of the series at next Friday Friday evening at 7pm in a special edition of Arena with Sean Rocks. Uh, He'll be hosting the uh, RTE short story a special programme and that'll be happening live from the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary in County Dublin. There'll be music from Conor Lenehan, Susanna Derrickson and Alva McDonough and performances from all the stories before the judges award their top prizes. And if you'd like to go along, just go to paviliontheatre.ie. That's paviliontheatre.ie.